listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. Like me trusting him doesn't mean I like it. I, I don't like that Elliot's gone. I don't like the lot that Lena was given from birth. I don't like that. I don't have to like it to know that Jesus is good and he is at work and he is near. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I am so glad you are joining us for this first episode for the month of March, 2023. And since it's a new month, that means that we have new family downloads available that go along with our theme this year of Anchored. Now they are free and you can find out more on the Rising Above website or on the Rising Above app. I know they will be an encouragement to your family, so be sure to go and check those out. Now, my guest this week is Jenny Mooney, and Jenny is the founder and executive director of 99 Balloons, which is an organization that she and her husband, Matt, founded after the death of their son, Elliot. 99 Balloons is an amazing organization that works with people who live with disabilities. She's also the mom to Lena, Hazel, and Anders, and Jenny and I could have talked for hours. She has such an encouraging outlook on life and such a beautiful story to share, and I know that you will love getting to know more about Jenny Mooney. Hey, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today on this week's podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you and get to know you better, so thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Becky. It's so fun, actually be able to connect with you and visit with you a little bit. I know. We've had fun um, talking before we hit record. <laughs> and I'm like, we should have recorded some of that content because that was really good. I know. <laughs> good stuff going there. Yeah. But it's fun because, you know, I've known about you for so many years. I've, I've known your husband and met him at conferences. And he's been on the podcast before. But this is the first time you and I have ever actually gotten to sit down and have a conversation. And we were talking about, okay, we when we go to some of these conferences coming up, we're going to find a time to sit down and like really have a real conversation instead of over Zoom. So yes. I will look forward to that. Yeah, for sure. That way I get to ask you the questions. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Yes, you can ask me all the things because I'm excited to, to know more about you guys and what the amazing things that you're doing in your ministry and just know more about your story. So, okay, now your journey to motherhood um, was a quite a unique story. Yeah. And um, so tell us a little bit about Elliot your yep. first son, and about that journey with him. Yeah. Well, it's funny when someone asks me that question, I'm like, well, how much time do we <laughs> yeah, have? Exactly. I really love, you know, yeah. different people who've experienced loss um, mm -hmm. come at it at different ways. Um, for me, it's always really beautiful and mm -hmm. healing and feel really life-giving to talk about Elliot. Um, and so that's a, that's um, the challenging part is condensing it down. Mm -hmm. um, but Matt and I had been married, um, for five years um, when we started our family and got pregnant and about halfway through the pregnancy, um, the ultrasound showed a few things that could be something, could be nothing. And we just carried on um, at the, I can't remember, it was 28 or 30 weeks, somewhere in there. 
um, had an additional ultrasound and it was clear that there was more going on. Um, and we found out at that point that, and we did not know if Elliot was a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. that this baby um, had what's called trisomy 18. And so trisomy 18 places an extra chromosome in every cell in his body in the 18th position. A lot of people, um, especially in disability space, if you've heard of a trisomy, it's usually trisomy 21, mm-hmm. which is Down syndrome. Um, but trisomy 18 is different. And a lot of um, babies that know about trisomy 18 in utero, a lot of times they'll, the the prognosis is not great. They'll mm-hmm. say that they might not make it to birth. And so that was where we were as really fresh, young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was 26, I believe. Um, yeah, I was 26. And um, there was a lot to take in at that moment. Um, but even at that moment with Elliot in utero, there was something really complex, um, but beautiful at the same time that happened. And that was this idea um, that we had this diagnosis and we knew things weren't quite right from, you know, worldly or medical perspective, Mm -hmm. but I could feel him moving. And and I knew I, I had so much joy in what his life was in that moment. Um, and I'm already crying, Becky. It's That's, so soon. Listen, uh, it, we, <laughs> tears are a okay. Um, but I knew I very vividly remember the spirit leading me in this, and I felt like it was from the Lord that I could be sad later. Mm. That there was in this sad diagnosis that there was really great joy. Like I felt that before he even arrived, and so um, I, you know, a part of this also was that we didn't know anything about disability. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we didn't, we didn't have a framework necessarily for how to approach this. And so I had prayed. One of the markers um, was that God, uh, that, that his, his uh, fists were clenched and we could see that in utero. And so the only thing I knew to pray was that God would unclench his fists because mm-hmm. in my limited understanding, that meant that my joy would maybe continue mm. or that that was like a good thing. Um, but the condensed version of this story is that when he was here, I loved those fists. Mm. I, I loved it. I, I thought I could see with his clenched fists, even though I had prayed that they would open, I could mm-hmm. see with his clenched fists that it was the glory of God. Mm. And that was, he was made in the image of God. So Elliot did come fast forward from finding out his diagnosis. Um, he, we made it full term. And um, when he had been here a day, 24 hours, exactly. We were so in tune with like, we don't know how much time we have with him. We didn't mm. even know he'd make it to birth. So we had a birthday party. I love it. After he had been here one day and we celebrated, well, that continued at 4.59 every day, p.m., we would have another birthday. And each birthday was a celebration of who he was, um, not knowing that the next day would be promised or that the next one would come. So we lived in a really unique reality in those times of having mm-hmm. an infant that was that needed care and was sick, but was, um, I mean, everything about him. We just got to behold him. And, and loved it and loved everything about him. Mm-hmm. And so he lived for 99 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those 99 days and with being his parents, the whole trajectory of our life changed mm-hmm. because we got to see what it meant for someone to be made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it was different than what we had would have probably mm-hmm. told you before. We got to see what a unique parenting journey would look like. We saw that parenting um, was very different mm-hmm. than our friends who had kids with the typical amount of chromosomes. Um, and so we just started to see these things. We mm-hmm. we got to celebrate those things that made him him. Um, and we saw where others maybe pitied that mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah, those totally. kind of things. And yeah. so that was just sort of our start. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elliot lived for 99 days. And he, um, we celebrated each one. And at his funeral, we released 99 balloons. And each one was a celebration that we kind of follow in that birthday party story. We had celebrate each day of his life. And we released balloons. And we knew um, at that point that, like I said, our lives were changed. But also that we didn't we wouldn't need a place to remember him by. We'd mm. always remember him, mm-hmm. but we now had to live out. Yeah. The grief journey. What yeah. we had learned. Yeah. 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 yeah we and had to live our grief. grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of it. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah. And really it was, it was interesting to go back to think now in those moments of like, well, I'll be sad later. I remember. Mm. Yeah. To, to So you could, you could, be present for every day that he was here. You were not grieving what had not happened yet. Yes. Because yeah. you you would then were able to be present with him and to celebrate right. every day that he was here. And, yeah, you know, right. I, I love how God can take the tragedies, the things that we look in our life as tragedies that are so hard and so challenging and then use them for his glory. And so mm. how did you see that out of Elliot's life, even though it was... 99 days. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you, how did you see that come yeah. to be as part of your story? Yeah. I, I love hearing you ask me this question because I feel like probably both of us, Becky, are yeah. marked, aren't we? Yes. I mean, there's something, yeah. That, yeah. There, there's something that happens. People don't look at you the same way and mm-hmm. you know, you'll never be the same. Yeah. I mean, and, the, and that is grief and we all experience mm-hmm. grief, right? In some yes. way or another, but losing someone close to you is, mm-hmm. is its own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're marked. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And everything, everything is like, I was looking for pictures for a picture on my phone and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that was when Jeff was still here. So I need to go to 20, you know, like I, I had mm-hmm. in my mind, everything is pre Jeff's passing and post his passing, yeah. you know, yeah. and those that's marks that time frame, you know, in yeah. our story. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's the pictures, but it's also, I mean, for me, it's also internally, right? Oh, it's absolutely. like how I have, how I have changed and how it has absolutely. changed me and how mm-hmm. I see. And um, one of the things I talk about with grief, um, and I say I talk about it, I mean, Elliot's been gone, he'd be 16. So he's been gone 16 years. And in some ways that's not a lot of time. In some ways that's a long time mm-hmm. to figure out how missing becomes a part of you. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that I'm quick to say is that I I will never understand the mystery mm-hmm. of um, what God gives and what God takes. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing. I think we really desire to see the good. We know God works all things for good. And we kind of have these, especially if, if you're in a faith community or have been for any amount of time, like there's these certain things that go, like 
reels that play in your head. Mm-hmm. Like God works all things for good. Um, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. I mean, we mm-hmm. know these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that beauty comes from ashes. And I even have seen those. And I'll, I mean, I'm going to answer your question for sure. But before I answer it, I'll just say like one of the things that um, I've learned over the years in grief is that I'm constantly still holding both. You, mm. you don't just go, well, there's ashes and then the ashes are gone and there's beauty. Um, you don't mm. just go, well, God took and now he gives. It, it happens at the same time. They happen together. And so that's the... Um, I think I, at one point would have really wanted a bow on it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in some way and mm-hmm. say, well, this all cleaned up reason, now yeah. and it's all yep. cleaned up, but, mm-hmm. um, I'll always be Elliot's mother. Yeah. And so without him here, I will always figure out what it looks like to live with the ashes and now the beauty, right? Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. both and. Yeah. Um, and I think probably I could have given lip service to that. <laughs> yeah, until you live it. Um, until you live it, yeah. you know? And so settling into what it looks like to always miss him. Mm-hmm. Um, and to not just constantly want to not miss him, mm-hmm. but to embrace the missing yeah. and the beauty that's coming now. Mm-hmm. And there has been great beauty. I mean, great. That's the thing. It's my grief is undeniable. Mm-hmm. The ashes are undeniable, but the mm-hmm. beauty is undeniable yeah. too. So we, um, about a year after he was gone, we started 99 Balloons, mm-hmm. um, which is the organization now that's 15 years old that um, uh, I get the humbling honor of just in the last few months of being in the day-to-day and in serving as the director here. Um But in those very early days after Elliot was gone, we knew we had to live out what he had taught us. Mm. And so we started um, with connecting with friends who um, were in spaces with, you know, children with disability, mostly Mm -hmm. at that time. And we said, look, what we see is their parenting journey is really unique. Um, We never had break. We understand now a little Mm -hmm. bit what caretaking is like. Let's, I I probably couldn't have even told you, Becky, what respite was, but we knew we wanted to give um, parents a night out Mm -hmm. and tell them in a sense, like your child is so loved just as they are, just like we had seen with Elliot. So we started with seven families and we were not, I mean, I laugh thinking back at it. We were not looking to like Grow. Right. <laughs> we, just, we really just wanted to help a few families. Yes, you yes. know, and God was, had other plans. I mean, he had other yeah, plans. That's great. <laughs> um, but part of the you know, the many things, beautiful things that God has done through tragedy mm-hmm. of losing Elliot was starting to serve families yeah. who had their own children made in the mm-hmm. image of God. And maybe their days weren't numbered like Elliot's were. Right. But these are parents living in this reality. And we're like, mm-hmm. how can we like come alongside them, yeah. give them a break, but also say like, your child is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Maybe the world yeah. doesn't tell you that enough. Um, and so then through that, um, if you follow the story along a little bit, Matt and I had two biological children as we had started um, 99 Balloons. We're serving families, providing respite care. Um to families of children with disabilities. 
And um, we started to learn about what disability is like globally. Mm. There were some families that were coming who had been adopted from Ukraine. Um, And so we started to learn about their journey. Um, And we had, like I said, after Elliot, we had Hazel. And then we had Anders. Um, Hazel came in 2008, Anders in 2010. Um, And... Through what we were doing with Recess, Recess is the rest at night, mm-hmm. Nine Balloons is the organization. Um, we had learned about global disability and learned about a little girl in Ukraine named Lena. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old was she at the time when you heard about Lena? How old was we, she? When we heard about Lena, she was four. I think she was three. She was three when we first heard about her. Um, and really, we were stepping in organization, as an organization. We mm. were stepping into disability work globally. Okay. And really, the only way we heard her story was because some of our partners were saying, hey, and, hey, can you tell us some of your stories that impact so we can share with people and bring Not more awareness? To. Yeah. And so we were sharing our story. And the point was supposed to be for us to say, hey, and if you could support Nine Balloons, Financially, we could do more to help her. And we were just the worst. I mean, I think our board at that time were like, what are y'all even doing? Because instead of asking people, we're like, it doesn't even matter what you do. We don't need your donations. Just pray for this girl. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Not the best fundraising uh, campaign you had going there. No, because we just were so drawn to her. Oh, goodness. Um, And so you can see where this story's going. We ended up adopting Lena. Um, She was um, five when she came home from Ukraine. So it was a year long journey. And the reality in Ukraine, um, especially at that point, um, was that children in orphanages um, would age out at age five. So if you think about age mm-hmm. five, they'd go to like a kindergarten. So a lot of typically developing kids would go to like a boarding school type mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. But if you had disability and you couldn't walk or talk, you would go to an adult mental institution in Eastern at Europe. Five and- year- And so, and I'm not sure if that's still the case today, Becky, but um, that was the case then. And so we knew when we were sharing her story, like she's about to be five. Um, And so that was a big, that was, you know, um, a a grim reality on her life, but also for like, was representative of many. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, we brought Lena home from Ukraine, Ukraine in 2012, and she was five years old. At that time, January wow. of 2012 is when she came home. So tell us about her now. Tell us um, about Lena. Lena is, look, again, how much time do you have? I love talking about Lena. So Lena is now 16. Oh, my God. Wow, 16. She's now 16. She's been home um, 11 years, um, and she's 16. So Lena has... Um, Mild cerebral palsy. Um, she's most in multiple disabilities. Mild cerebral palsy. She is most impacted by autism. I would say that impacts her yeah. life the most. She has some visual impairments, um, but truly, she is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I just loved. I mean, you know, as you sent some of the questions ahead of time, um, I loved that you asked. And I think this is so important. You mentioned something about the gift of Lena. Mm, yes. Yes. And I just think um, a lot of people could maybe just see me, you know, 
see her having a hard time mm-hmm. entering into the grocery store, mm-hmm. push her as I push her in her wheelchair into mm-hmm. church if she's struggling. I don't know that the, per- the mass perception would be that she's a gift, but mm-hmm. from where I sit, knowing her completely and fully, I'm blown away mm-hmm. at what a gift she is. Yeah. Um, and I just, I long for more to people to yeah. truly know her. I mean, mm-hmm. there's obstacles, right, to really know her. She's nonverbal and, um, you know, has a lot of sensory issues, mm-hmm. just a lot of things going on. But to truly see her, mm-hmm. um, it is a gift. She is such a gift. And so what is it about her that you just love? When you look at her, what is it that the rest of the world would not see? The rest of the world would not see, but when you and Matt and your family are with her, Uh what is it about her that just stirs your heart? Well, for one, um, there is this, we don't mean to do this as humans, but we do. We see people who can communicate in a very like Mm -hmm. certain way as intelligent right. and those who communicate in a different way. Mm-hmm. We don't mean to put these, you know, we just right. do it. Right. Um, and one thing is she is so smart and mm-hmm. in, it is in her own way. Like mm-hmm. it is in her own way. She is like never going to like tell you two plus two is four. I mean, she's not going to read like she's mm-hmm. never going to do that. But what she is able to mm-hmm. do with yeah. nonverbal communication to figure out the world around her without her limitations is astounding. I mean, she is so she is so smart. Um, a lot of times there's challenges with that mm-hmm. because she's very feisty. Um, she is extremely spicy. She is extremely strong willed. <laughs> Um, but a big part of that is you think about her background. I mean, she was in an orphanage mm-hmm. for five years mm-hmm. and didn't have supports, didn't yeah. have care, um, a lot of neglect. And she was just, was, is like such a fighter. Yeah. Right. I yes. mean, so she will fight to tell you mm-hmm. what she needs and what mm-hmm. she wants. And that independent spirit is I mean, a lot of people wouldn't look at Lena and think she's independent Mm -hmm. because she needs full care for me. But gosh, that drive is there. Um, And also just think like she navigates a world not being made for her. Mm -hmm. Right. And so things are just so Mm -hmm. like the we talk a lot. I think culturally there's a lot of talk right now about like grit and resilience Mm -hmm. and um, I think mostly we think of, you know, people who are gotten fired from a job and like, mm-hmm. but, you know, mm-hmm. but here's Lena, like when she walks into a grocery store, like what she overcomes yeah. to just go through the aisles and go back to the car. I'm like, that is astounding. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's, and then she's just miraculous. Like, I mean, what we were told when she came home, is like, she may not do this, this, or this because of her background, because mm-hmm. um, of all these factors. And Lena's going to do what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she wanted to walk. By golly, she's walking. Yeah. Um, you know, she wanted, and I think that's a measure of, mm-hmm. you know, her worth, but her will yeah. and her determination is pretty remarkable. And I think people don't see that. Mm-hmm. If you were to see Lena walk into a room, you would probably see some behaviors related with autism. She'd hit her head. Um, she'd yell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you'd walk away. 
and you'd miss it, right? Miss but it. if you were to like stay a little bit longer or even observe her throughout like an hour, you'd be like, oh my gosh, she knows exactly what she's doing all the time. <laughs> um, so that, and she's really fun. I mean, she likes to play and she, when some of those things um, like her sensory needs and obstacles of the world around her, when, when those decrease, you see just like, her true self. She's really fun. <laughs> I love she that. She and plays and she's so fun. So those are those things, Becky, yeah. that I had actually told a mutual friend of ours. Um, I said, it's like the secret. Mm. I just get to hold. I want to share it with people. I don't always get a chance mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. but I've been given this kind of secret yeah. of getting to like see what a gift she is. Yeah. yeah. My, my late husband used to say, you know, we had been given the gifts the gift of our kids, you know, and we're the gift keepers and we're the ones who, mm-hmm. who get to steward all that goodness that's in them. And, you know, I, I love, as you were talking about like going into the grocery store and all those kinds of things, I wrote down on my, my notes here, brave, because mm. our kids are brave. You that's know, right. they yeah. go um, into a world, like you said, that is not designed and created for them. And yet they come with their full self mm-hmm. with, you know, even with all their challenges. And I, I just think brave was the word that came to mind as, as you were it. talking about Lena and her going into these hard and challenging situations. And yet she still goes. And, yeah. you know, I know the impact like just that John Alex has had on my life. What's the impact that Lena has had on your life as her mm. mom? Oh, goodness. I think the first thing that comes to mind, and, and maybe it's just kind of springboarding off of when you said like, brings her full self. Mm-hmm. Um, there is zero pretense in totally. Lena's life. Yeah. She is not trying to be, Yeah, I mean, cognitively, if you look at like the science of the makeup of her brain, like mm-hmm. she, you know, neurologically, she's, she's not going to be able to like perform, cover mm-hmm. up, be anything other than what she fully is mm-hmm. to bring her full self, like you said. Um, and I, that has been one of the greatest teachers to me because I look at her and I don't want anything else. Mm. I, I don't, I don't want her to bring pretense. I, I just want her to be her. And so um, that for sure. I think also um, another thing that comes to mind is individuals with autism and especially those who um, are nonverbal, what I like to say mm-hmm. is nonverbal communicators. Mm-hmm. They communicate. They totally communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, use behaviors to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are days where that is beautiful and great because she's working to get what she wants. And there are days that that is really challenging mm-hmm. and really hard and her behaviors will be maybe injurious to herself. Um, uh, not usually with Lena injurious to others, but th- there's things like keeping her safe is hard and mm-hmm. it's just exhausting some days. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean she's not wonderful, but it's mm-hmm. very tiring. Right. And so somewhere along the way, we were in a really hard season with our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember putting her to bed and saying, um, Lena, mama loves you. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. He made you perfect and wonderful. And ever since, I say that every single night. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. No matter how she behaves through the day, mm-hmm. that never changes. It has been the most beautiful thing to go that the father looks at us that way. Yeah. We behave. We do all kinds of we. We act out. <laughs> we do all these things. But at the end of the day, he loves us. Mm-hmm. 
He made us perfect and wonderful and nothing's going to change. So I think the, the image of really understanding grace and love, mm-hmm. um, not dependent on what someone can or can't do, or mm-hmm. if they're going to behave a certain way or mm-hmm. not, I think is the thing that like, is, is not just something like I've learned and checked that box. It's mm-hmm. something that the spirit reminds me of yeah. every day. And I still, I say it to her every single night, every night. I love that. And don't you just wish that other people could see our kids the way that we do, you know, mm-hmm. that they could see the beauty and the deep love that we have for them. And I, I love what you were saying about the love of the father. You know, that's mm-hmm. how he sees us in all our messes and all the things that we do. What a just sweet, beautiful thing that you can do with your daughter every night mm-hmm. to remind her of how wonderfully made that she is. Um, now, talked mm-hmm. earlier about your husband, Matt's been on the show before and um you guys have been married. How long now? How long have you been married? Okay, I can do it. Okay, um, get the math. It's the year 2023. Yes. So we'll be married 22 years 22 in years. April. That's amazing. So, you know, and you guys have faced lots of challenges. I mean, you know, the loss of a child can mm-hmm. sometimes take marriages out, you know, mm-hmm. and then you add in, uh, you know, your daughter with her unique needs and all the things and all the other, you know, things that you face. So what are some things that you and Matt have put into place um, to help you make it these, yeah. all these years? Um, well, we're still learning. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> right? It, it's yes. lifelong. Um, you know, I think that it, like, Somewhere along the way, I think probably with diagnosis with Elliot, I would say before Elliot, um, we really just had a lot of fun and enjoyed each Mm, other, right? And so the first time that we saw really significant challenges in our marriage was Mm. figuring out how to grieve. Mm. And we both grieved so differently. Mm. And so we, um, and some of those like, really gut-riching, dark, hard mm-hmm. days after Elliot was gone. Um, what was, I think, established then and that we still use now is that this is, like, this is messy mm-hmm. and this is hard, um, but it's better together. Mm. It's better together. Yeah. And so I think that's the thread throughout and that we come back to in harder seasons. I mean, Look, if Lena is having a harder season, I can pretty much guarantee you that Matt and I are going to have a harder season. Mm-hmm. We're not, I, you know, it's like, okay, these new behaviors have come up or mm-hmm. um, she stopped eating what she usually eats mm-hmm. or, you know, right. and we're trying to like yeah. figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you so quickly, you know, you bring, each of us bring our own intensity and our own um wanting to help her, our own desire to want to help mm-hmm. her, our own desire to want to um, maintain peace in our home and help all three of our children that are in our home now process all of this. Mm-hmm. But we come at it differently. And so that's tough. But we go back to what I think God really showed us in those early days of, mm-hmm. of Elliot being gone, which is like, it can be messy. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to be seamless all the time, but it is better together. Yeah, It is better together. Yeah. And we're both going to, co- I mean, we constantly go back to um, 
being broken and in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, if you, if you go back to that, then, you know, I mean, he is not perfect and I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And usually we get sideways when we are expecting that perfection out of each other. Right. That's a good word right there. I don't always believe it. Right. I'm like, what? (laughs) You're perfect. (laughs) You're not perfect either. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? But just embracing, like it took a while for me. And I think Matt, in some way too to embrace it this is messy yeah and let's just walk through it, it together. together like yeah. it's it's not going to be tidy mm-hmm. life is not tidy yeah and yeah. for sure had to know that going into disability mm-hmm. right yeah. like it is not tidy no it is not tidy <laughs> but I love you know you all took your story you, you decided we're going to stay together and out of all of that then we talked briefly about you started a nonprofit out of the life of Elliot yeah. called 99 balloons and I mean, the name obviously came from the, I guess, the 99 balloons that you re- the released at his yeah. funeral. Is that right? Yeah, that's and correct. So you, we talked a little bit about the respite piece and, you yeah. know, how you, you started off, you know, it's kind of like how we did with Rising Above. It's like, well, we'll just serve our local families. And then now, you know, it's grown into something we could have never imagined. Yep. Same yep. thing with you guys. And so talk about the, the respite and befriend and the things that you all do. Uh, that so beautifully serve the disability community. Yes, yeah, so we have um, we basically have three programs. So it started with what started was the few families doing a respite night. Remember, I said I didn't couldn't have even told you what respite was. <laughs> um, serving these few families, and we called that night recess. And somewhere along the way, with doing recess, doing this one recess with about seven families, um, more families became interested. And when you step into a space Mm -hmm. uh, where there is a need, it grows right out in front of you. And Mm so um, someone on our, uh, she was actually part of our board at that time. Now we would call this group leadership teams with Mm -hmm. our respite sites. But she said, hey, I actually... I actually go to church here, a town, you know, 15 minutes away. What if we, could I do a recess there? Could, you know, could mm-hmm. we do this? And and all of a sudden it was like, we figured out how to make this a replicable model. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but we had been doing it long enough that it's like, well, what we started with was parents need a break. But we start to was volunteers would come in, be exposed to disability for the first time. And we started to see this like, oh, people who are feeling really lonely and isolated, they don't just need a break on a Friday night. They need to be part of a community. They need to be seen. So like all these things were happening. And what we did was we made a replicable model for recess. Yeah. And when I say we, I mean, mostly Matt, if he was here, he'd be like, no, there's a team of people, blah, blah, blah. But where I sit here 15 years later, yeah. this seat, I look back historically and go, things were set up really well to make this scalable mm-hmm. so that more people could be served yeah. to make it easy for churches. And so it's a respite program called recess. We have about 45 sites right now. Um, 15 years later in the United States, um, there's a few in Canada, one in Australia, 
actually. Um, and Amazing. so what we've done is we make it really easy. If you are a church and you want to engage people in your community, mostly families with this specifically um, with younger kids, um, we give you just an entry point. We kind of give you all the tools you need to start this respite program. And it's really more than that, right? It's more mm-hmm. than a parent's Absolutely. getting a night out. It's people with and without disabilities, like mm-hmm. coming together, caring for each other. So, um, we started with recess. We also, like I mentioned before, we go and um, we kind of shifted into some global initiatives. Mm-hmm. And with our global programming, we have partners um, in developing countries that are on the ground doing work with people with disabilities. We support them financially. But then we also, when it's um, not COVID, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we also send teams to support their work um, depending on what they need Mm -hmm. Um, and then a few years ago we had been thinking right look here it was probably 2018 and here we were we had been doing recess we had been doing this respite for younger kids and we started to see what happens with the younger kids it's amazing is they grow up yeah that does happen <laughs> can you believe i know it? i know what disabilities are just children <laughs> um and so we we were really um burdened by not burdened but but saw the need for full life the church mm-hmm. should care about people with disabilities like they care about all of us, right? right. For your whole life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times adults with disabilities, um, you know, most people in their world are caretakers or family members mm-hmm. or both. Um, and so, what you know, we, what we see is really life-changing is friendships mm-hmm. and relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So um, our model is called, for adults is called Befriend. And from the outside in, it seems like, crazy simple <laughs> but it's funny how something so simple has such significant impact I mean it's essentially uh like community groups mm-hmm. just friendship groups yeah. it's just people with and without disabilities who pers- purposefully get together and get to know one another and then what we see then is our friends who are adults with disabilities who are in these friend groups they are now known mm-hmm. by their community it's not just caretakers or family members in their world there's a a whole group that says we care about you and we love you and we know you. We know, we know these things about you. Um, and so Befriend is really, it's still fairly new in that it started and then COVID happened. And um, But we have about eight Befriend sites right now and we are just ready to we think everyone should do a friend yeah, i'm going to <laughs> check that out yes yeah i'm going to check it out <laughs> for sure do the friend. it's wonderful so yeah so those are our three main programs recess um global initiatives that we call all in and befriend so so great you yeah. all you guys are doing such amazing work and um you know just encourage our listeners to go check out your website and check out the the resources that you you offer because it'll just be life-giving um, yeah. to your family, to your church. And, you know, Jenny, you've had quite a journey, quite a story. <laughs> and I know I've only, like, true. we've only scratched the surface. I know we had to, like, hustle through. We had to hustle, way. but we're, we're going to find time to talk again. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I want to ask you, so what are ways that you rise above your circumstances and you mm. find joy in your story? Oh, you know, like it's churchy Sunday school as it sounds like <laughs> as you were asking that, like I just like actually like all I thought was Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just everything you said is true. 
in this world, you will have troubles, but I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can trust him. Yeah. And I think going, I can, I can trust him mm-hmm. with all these things. Like, it doesn't mean like me trusting him doesn't mean I like it. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that Elliot's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't like mm-hmm. um, the lot that Lena was given mm-hmm. from, from birth. I don't like that part of her story. And I don't have to like it mm-hmm. to know that Jesus is good and he is at work um, and he is near. I mean, he was never, he has, I can look back on all of these and go, he has never left me. And, and that's the, I don't know. I mean, I don't picture rising above. I, I picture like on the floor and him <laughs> holding me. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe it's him lifting, but that's it. Well, I, I, I would see you rising above the circumstances and the things that you face to, to be able to go and do what you do. You know, grief could have taken both of us out, but it didn't. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you know, you are you are loving and serving and just continuing to do what God has called you to do. And so I say bravo and uh, keep keep going. And Jenny, I just can't thank you enough for your time today. And I can't wait for us to be able to sit down face to face. And yep, just we're going to con- do it. Yes. We're going to do it for sure. I'm going to toss all these questions right back at you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks again, Jenny. I've so enjoyed okay. talking to you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.